Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, grab a Bible, if you will, and turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start right at the beginning, right with the fall of Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, and then we're going to be going to Acts chapter 17. That's kind of our lesson for today, but it really starts uh, back in Genesis 3. So we're going to start there. And, uh, but I have a question for you. Why don't you just think about it for a moment. I'd love to see a show of hands. How many of you would say that you know right from wrong? Raise your hand. Yeah, I would venture to say probably most everybody. You probably know what's right, what's wrong, but, but now it's going to get a little deeper. Where did you learn it? Who taught you right from wrong? And is your view of right from wrong based upon where you learned it? So I think when we ask that question about what's it based on, not just where we learned it, but what's it based on, there's not a lot of choices. Either your feeling about what's right and wrong, your knowledge about what is right and wrong, is either going to go to the Bible, to God's Word, and say, this is the rule and norm for what is right and what is wrong. Anything else is going to be based upon a myriad of, of things. Well, what my mom might said, my dad said, or what I heard, what I think, or what I feel, or I don't think God really meant that, I really think. And so it's either going to be based upon what God said, or it's not. There's no, there's no in-between. And I think sometimes we pick and choose. We're like, well, I, I think these things are right, but, you know, I'm not so sure if those are wrong, so... So this is what I think is wrong, and this is what I think is right. Then, then very clearly, you're not you're not standing underneath the scriptures. And this is, I think, the greatest thing that the church is facing today in America, and probably around the world, is we've been watching over the last decades of chipping away. Like, well, I'm not sure sure God meant that. You know, cross that off. Well, I'm not sure that's still true. Cross that off. Well, you know, that's contextual, so that doesn't apply to us today. That applies to them. Cross it off. And, and what we're doing is we're slowly creating our own set of beliefs based upon our own criteria. That's a very dangerous place to be. Because when God says, hey, here it is. Here's the standard. Here's, here's what I told you. This is it. And then there's everything else. So I want you to just kind of keep this in mind today, ponder it just a little bit. Now, if we start in Genesis 3, let's start reading a little bit. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, 
you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. I just want to pause you a moment. Here's a really classic case of the serpent got in here and started twisting the words already of God. He knew what God said, but he's already twisting it. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, no, that's not what he said. He said this, and he said, you must not touch it or you will die. Oh, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. He stood in contrary, I mean, completely against what God had said, and he stood up against it. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God. I want you to really grab that today. Does that seem odd? Why would the serpent tempt them of wanting to be like God, knowing good and evil? I think there's always been, in all of us, a challenge. We want to follow God, but when it's not aligning with what we really want to do, we got a conflict. Like, God says this, well, I, 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 really, I really want to do it. So how do I justify it? How do, I, how do I make it okay to do what God said don't do? And so when we say, well, this is what I think, all of a sudden, you know what we're actually doing is we're actually standing over God saying, I, I know better than you do, God. I, I know what's best for my life, better than you do. So it's not just wanting to be like God. It's really wanting to slide into that role of deciding we get, get to decide what's right and wrong. Because if we decide what's right and wrong, are we ever wrong? Ever? No. Because if I get to decide what's right and wrong, then I'm only going to decide what's right for me. That means I'm never wrong. And if everybody does that, you see the chaos we get in our society? Because God is the moral authority that everything goes back to God. And if you take God out and you slide in something else, it gets a little chaotic. All right, so he tempted her with being like God. Now, why? Um, some of you may not realize this. I, I want to read to you. Um, this is from Isaiah 14. You can go back and read it yourself. But let me just read this. This is about Satan in heaven. He used to be a favored angel. Listen to what God says. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You hear these endearing words? You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, here's the issue, I will ascend to the heavens I will raise my throne above the stars of God. 
I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. You ever wonder, like, how did it all start? Right there. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be like God. And that's why God said, away with you. Cast him out of heaven. And then he goes to Eve. Hey, Eve. How would you like to be like God? And what did she do? Oh, the fruit looks good. And I'm going to gain wisdom. I'm going to be like God. And she ate it. Isn't it interesting? The very thing that got Satan thrown out of heaven is the very thing that he said to Eve, don't you want to be like God too? Yes, of course. And all of a sudden what happened? They realized they were naked. Instantaneously, as soon as they both ate the fruit, something changed. From that moment on, there's a battle. There's a battle going on for our souls in every one of us. And there's a battle because we want to be like God. What does that mean? Deciding for ourselves what's right and wrong. That's what we, we want. And you could say, well, I don't, I, I don't want that. But our actions oftentimes show it. And how do our actions show it every time what we want to do is in contrary to what God said? And let me give you almost a grouping of sins that are, that are causing havoc in most people's lives, even Christians' lives. Most sexual sins. Pornography. It's just ravaging people in America right now, all over the world. Does God have something to say about it? You bet he does. God has a lot to say about what our eyes see, what we fill our, our minds with. But there's a conflict. But, but I really want to do this. But I don't want to feel guilty. I really want to live with somebody before I get married. Man, I, re I really want to do that. But that's contrary to God. Well, i got to figure out how do I do this? You see, the problem with all sexual sins, just name them. You can name, I don't have to name them for you. Name them all. Those are the most challenging things for people today. Because we want this, the freedom to do these, but they're all in contrary to what God says. And so all of a sudden, there's the conflict. Do I do what God wants me to do? That means I might have to fight, wrestle against myself, deny myself, wait, struggle, it's hard, I don't want to do it. And the answer is yes, that's true, that's hard. 
there's the conflict. Who wins? Most of the time, who wins? Does that give you a hint? We do. But now we got a problem because now we're doing what we know that God doesn't want us to do. So this is, this is where this teaching comes in today. Well, I don't want to feel guilty. So somehow, I have to create it in my own heart and mind that it's okay. It's okay to do. Well, you know, we're getting married anyway, so what's the difference? You know, doesn't matter. Just a piece of paper. That doesn't matter. Oh, pornography, oh, just a little bit, you know. I oh, can't hurt anybody. Oh, it's actually probably healthy. I mean, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. Because as soon as you go, ah, oh, I don't want to follow this because it's too hard, then in order to justify it in our minds, here's what we do. We create it. We create what we think God ought to be. And as soon as you start to do that, you are playing like God. And I will tell you, this struggle that we just are talking, and that's this, that's this, I told you that grouping of sins, but my goodness, there's so many more. You know what God says? I'll just read it for you. Do you know the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. Then God goes on. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's where it gets hard. When God says, you shall have no other gods before me, and you're like, well, I don't have any gods before me. Let me just ask you a question. Have you put anything in front of God? Let me, let me give you a little hint of what things might be. This is new terminology that we're getting so used to in America. How about in iTunes, iMac, iPad, iPhone, Selfie. Are you getting a hint? What, what do you think we are putting in front of God? Me and myself and I. Me and my two favorite friends. Me and myself and I. And it's, we're creeping there. And we don't realize it. A lot of social media is look at who? Look at me. Look at me. See, we're slowly putting ourselves above God. You know what the great thing about that? I get to do whatever I want. Whenever I want, however I want. And you can't say anything about it. What's right for you is right for you, but don't push your morals on me. Man, have I heard that. You see, this we're creeping here as a society. 
What happens when everybody's in charge? It's pure chaos. No rules, no morals, no nothing. Everybody gets to decide for themselves. Society can never be built on that. The hard thing for the believer, the follower of Christ, is you say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I bow to you. You keep that place on the throne of my life. And I submit to you. And when there's something that I really want to do, God, give me the strength, the fortitude, the wisdom, the knowledge, the strength, everything that I need to resist. But when I don't and I fall, forgive me. That's the life of a Christian. All right, now I want you to turn to Acts 17. This is really kind of the forerunner now for what Paul's talking about. And it's going to fit. You're going to see how this fits beautifully into this. Chapter 17. And then, and then go towards the bottom to verse 16. So you might recall, Paul's on these journeys. And he was in Thessalonica. Remember the book of Thessalonians? We looked at that last week, the week before he was in Philippi. And we do have a map. So if you want to bring that map up, guys. And um, maybe... Uh, there we go. Okay, there it is. <clears throat> this side. Um, if you're online, you, you want to look at the far left side. At the very top, far left, see where it says you can see Philippi. That's where it was two weeks ago. Thessalonica. Then he went to Berea. We looked at that last. And then he went down to the end of the sea and he went to Athens. So he's in Greece. He's in Athens right now. That's where the story's taking place. So just to give you some context. So Athens is a very Greek culture. I mean, it's in Greece. That'll give you a hint. Um, not necessarily Jewish culture, but there were some Jews, but it's primarily a Greek country. So, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Interesting. So he reasoned in a synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him to and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. <clears throat> all the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus. This is like the council. And said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an, an, an altar with this inscription inscription to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. All right, I just want to pause. I want to point out a couple things. He used this term, you're very religious. You ever hear that term? 
You might have even used it. Let me try to bring some clarity to some of these terms. Religion is man looking for God. That's what a religion is. We have world religions. And it's man, it's people looking for God. Maybe God is in the stars, and so then they would worship the stars. Maybe God is, is the God of Zeus. I mean, think about the Marvel movies. Disney portrays a lot, a lot of these gods and goddesses. A lot. Because it's man looking like, I know there's something out there. There's got to be more. And um, so they're creating idols. And we're like, well, that seems kind of silly. You create a stone thing or a wood thing. Then you worship it. And they even went along, Paul said, boy, I saw lots of idols to all these gods. It was probably like the god of earth, like Mother Nature. Ever hear that term? You know, the god of, of stone, the god of trees, the god of the universe, the god of the stars, the god of the galaxy, god of all these different gods. Thor, like the movie Thor, he's a god. See, these are religions. Religions are man looking for God. And here's the, here's the same thing, though, that happens. Man creates God. That's what they do. That's what really, every religion. Peel the layers back to every religion. What you will find it is this. Man looking for God. What separates Christianity is it's God coming down to us. That's, that's Christianity. And how do you know this to be true over every other religion which is man seeking God? Simple. No other person has ever come back from, from the dead. Ever. Ever. In every known religion to man, all of their leaders, all of their founders, everybody's in the grave. Done. And this message he was giving is they said, remember, did you catch this earlier? Like, we, we want to know more about this because he's teaching about Jesus rising from the dead. So now he goes on. He says, you're ignorant. Now, what's he talking about? I'm, I'm going to go back to verse 22. As I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. See, they covered all their bases and they were like, we might have forgot one. What, what if we forgot God? So let's, let's create an idol. And we'll say, it's the unknown God, just in case we miss one. I mean, I've heard people even in these days we're living in saying, you know, I don't know what to believe, so I believe it all. I just believe everything. Because if I believe everything, then, then I probably won't miss anything except they're missing Christ. And so they created this idol just in case they missed it. So Paul, bless his heart, he came in and he goes, you know this un-God you're talking about? Let me introduce you to him. Let me tell you who he really is. He's Jesus. 
the one who came down to us. So let's, let's read what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. You see, he was referring right to them. They would bring their grain offerings. They would bring their food offerings. They would bring clothing. They would bring all these offerings to all these idols as though God, their gods needed them. And he's saying, the God of the universe doesn't need any of it. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Now, he's talking to us. Did you catch that? He marked out their appointed times in history. You are alive in this time of history because God ordained it. He was intentional. It's not by happen chance that you're alive right now. It's very deliberate on God's part. Why? Verse 27. God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out to Him and find Him though he's not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we're his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. All right, what is Paul saying? Let me, let me kind of summarize. He saw this huge array of gods. And he came to say, but there is only one. Jesus, who rose back from the dead. That's where our faith is Today. And these are all the religions and all the religious people searching for God. You want to hear a modern day term that we use? We don't use religious a lot. People don't like it when they say, oh, you're religious. People don't like that term. Guess what the term is now? Spiritual. I'm spiritual. Okay, what does that mean? I think I can answer for it. Now, this is just Ed speaking. It's you created your own God in whatever image you wanted. Because I'm not spiritual and I'm not religious. I'm a follower of Jesus. I hope you are too. When you hear somebody say they're spiritual... I bet you're going to find this if you peel the layer back. They have a conflict with God. They have a conflict with His Word. They have a conflict with His purpose and plan and His will for your life and a moral authority. And they have a conflict. So, okay, so I'll abandon that and I will become a spiritual person because then I can create whatever I want. Boy, that sounds like Paul and all these idols, doesn't it? I get to create whatever I want. And that is my God. That is who I will serve. 
But did you hear what Paul said? In the past, God overlooked such, what's he call it? Ignorance. And it's repeating itself. God has called us, and he uses the word, now he commands all people everywhere to repent and to seek him. What does that mean? Repentance means I'm going this way and God has called me back to Him. I am sorry, God. I am sorry that I tried to live that way and justify it and do whatever I wanted to and create my own God. I'm sorry. What I want is I want you to be the Lord of my life. You know, it's interesting the last thing Jesus said on planet earth. The last thing. He said this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You see what he's saying? There's no authority over here. None. Zero. None. This is man-made, created, religious, spiritual. It's all these religions and everything else. And God says, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth, the entire earth, is Jesus. It's his authority. My encouragement to you today, please hear this, my heart to yours. Ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Submit to him. Open your Bibles. Read the letters, the words, the books that God gave to us for our benefit so that we know what God wants from us and we try to live under it. And we will sin. I guarantee we will slide over here. We will fall into sin. We will try to justify it. We'll try to figure it out. And then hopefully God will say, do you need to repent and come home and come back to God having authority over our life? When someone asks you about your faith, keep it really simple. Use terms like, I'm a Christian. That means I follow Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow Him. And that's what a believer does. That's tough. That means we got to deal with this stuff. We do, we have to deal with this stuff. And at some point, we're going to come to realize, and I hope maybe today's the day you go, wow, I was in ignorance. I didn't realize how far I'd fallen. Why? Because I wanted to be like God. Deciding what's right and what's wrong in my life. I hope today, today's the day that God calls you back, that you just simply say this simple prayer to Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life again. I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me. And maybe I be under your lordship for the rest of my days on planet Earth. All right, let's pray. 
Jesus, you love us so much that you would leave heaven and come to this earth to call us out of this life of wanting to be like you into a life with you. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness and your forgiveness because following you, you, you bless us in so many ways. And sometimes we wrestle because we really want to sin. That's our nature, God. You know that. Forgive us for our nature. Forgive us for our sins. Call us back to you. And we want to say thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you that you went to the cross with all of our sins. You completely forgave us. And then you came back from the grave and you conquered sin. And you invite us to be in that with you. Thank you, Jesus. We don't know how else to say it except thank you. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.